Good morning, church. Good morning. Um, with our tables uh, launching um, this coming Wednesday, it obviously meant that uh, this past week I had to do a test run on, on the pork butt, and it was delicious. Uh, actually, um, Judy Calvert went to Costco and bought too many seasonings, which often happens, right, for people. And so she said, I have this brown sugar kinder seasoning. Would you like to have it? And I was like, yes, absolutely. I won't say no to meat seasoning at any time in my life. And um, so it was this brown sugar uh, just crust that was over the top of the pulled pork. And I smoked it uh, starting at like 8 in the morning. Um, it, was, it was delicious. Absolutely delicious. So anyways... If that, uh, if that influences you in any way. Listen, even if you're not planning on uh, joining the Wednesday tables, I would still love for you to join us for the kickoff party. Um, just come and hang out. Um, come and just get to know the, the church a bit more. Come and get to just uh, sit around a table with people. And so there's actually two different RSVPs that are on the Connect page of our website. One is just, just to go to the launch party. Um, just to be here this Wednesday night and enjoy some good food and sit around the table with the church. And then the other RSVPs for anyone that wants to uh, join the tables from, from that week onward. So, um, Church, if you would stand with me as we uh, go into um, Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 15 through the end of the chapter, um, reading from the New Living Translation, but it'll come up on the screen as well. It says this, For this reason... Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of, God's, all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you might know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the, same, is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him in his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Father, we pray these same things right now for this, for this beloved community. Lord, I give you thanks for the people that are gathered here, um, both in this room and, both that, uh, and those that are online watching the stream this morning. Lord, I give you thanks for them. Lord, what a joy it is to be a new people. Lord, thank you for the gift of the church. Father, my, my prayer for, for us is we would know you better. Continue to create within us an appetite for you. Instill within us, Spirit of God, a desire to, to draw near to you. And as we get closer to you, what we would find is that as, as we taste and see that you are good, we wouldn't get more full, but we would get more hungry. And Lord, I, I ask that we would know the hope of new creation. Lord, that we really would have instilled within our hearts this understanding and this experience today that you are making things good. And you're partnering with your people to see that goodness in this world. And Spirit, I pray that you would empower your people afresh this morning. We would know your strength today. Father, thank you that the constant testimony of the church is that we are a people that get to celebrate in our weakness. Because in our weakness, in our vulnerability, in our failures, Lord, we see grace abounding in our lives. Thank you for being our strength. And Lord, for anyone who is in this space right now that feels weak, 
that has just maybe this past week has just felt like a punch to the gut. Um, comforter and counselor, uh, would you come? And, and would, you, would you be their strength? And so we pray that in your name. Amen? Amen. Church, feel free to have a seat. Paul kicks off this, this section um, with these words, for this reason. And uh, he writes that, and hopefully that causes us to stop and ask the question, well, what reason? Why are you writing this, Paul? And, and I believe the answer would be that what he's reflecting on is what we reflected on last week. And, and last week, we, we covered the opening of Ephesians chapter 1, where Paul writes this run-on sentence that's something like over 200 words long, this run-on sentence, kind of like listening to a three-year-old tell a story, right, where the, it just feels like the sentence never ends. Paul gives this run-on sentence where there is just so much jam-packed in there. And, and as, 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 he, as he reflects on that, we've been chosen, we've been adopted, we've been graced, we've been forgiven, we've been redeemed, we've been given insight, we've been given inheritance, we've been given the Holy Spirit for this reason. For this reason, I pray for you. And what's happening here in, in this space is that Paul's heart, I believe that as he realizes all that God has done for us, that the natural response of his heart is to say, I'm going to go pray. And there's this incredible quote from, from Tim Keller that he reflects on it, on the relationship that we have with God, and he says this, he says, the only person who dares wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is a child. We have that kind of access. We have that kind of access. So he's saying for this reason, like I, I am floored. My life has been incredibly changed because I have had a revelation. I've had an understanding and I have a growing understanding of all that God has done for us. And so after he says, for this reason, he, he then goes on and he says, I remember you in my prayers. Paul's, here's, here's what happens in, in, in Paul's life. He says, church, I, I see everything that God has done for us. I see the new life that we have. I see that we are a new people. And the most logical conclusion of the new life that we have in Jesus together, the most logical conclusion for me that I should make in light of that is that I should pray for you. Like Step into relationship with Jesus. Discover the life that he has for you. What is the very next step? What is the logical conclusion of the new life that you have in Jesus? What now? Pray. That's, that's Paul's conclusion here. Now that we have new life in Jesus... What should be the ethos of our life? How do we relate with one another? Where do we find life together? How do we continue to, to grow in a greater understanding of who God is and a greater understanding of the life that we have now united together? What is, what is, what is the imperative thing that we do? What is the primary thing that we do together? We pray. That's what we do. And when Paul starts this opening letter to us, he says, in light of all that God has done, for this reason, everything that he's revealed to us, we should pray. We should be a people that not only pray, but we should be a people that pray for each other. 
We should, we should be a people that, that there are our hearts are just prompted to say, God, we've experienced the goodness of who you are, and we're going to ask for more. We, we, just, we, just wanna, we just wanna know you more. And so we're gonna lean in in prayer for one another. Let this be the narrative about who we are. We are a people who pray for each other. Church, I came across this, this app um, earlier this year, but I've actually in this, the start of, uh, at the end of summer and the start of, of this fall, um, I've really started to, to lean into it more and more, and I just wanted to be really practical for you as we talked this morning about prayer and praying for each other. I came across this uh, great resource. Um, it's called The Inner Room, and I took some screenshots of it. Let's just get really practical here for a second as we think about this section of Scripture where Paul just encourages the church to pray for people. Um, so you'll see a screenshot of, of my phone here, and that's the launch of it. It's called... Uh, inner room. It's, it's hosted by a group called 24-7 Prayer. Um, and in this app, what you do is that you just, you just create prayer lists. Um, and so it actually becomes really fun just to sit down and just like start categorizing. Um, anyone have the love language of Excel spreadsheets? <laughs> right? It's kind of, it's, I, I have, a, I have a, a tinge of that. And um, just categorizing things is that you just cr get to create all of these different prayer points um, in your life, things that you're thinking about. And uh, one of the things that I also just really enjoy in life is spontaneity. Um, so there's, there's a level of, of spontaneity that gets to be uh, kind of lived out in this, this prayer um, space. Um, and so there's another little tab in this app where you get to, it says you could choose a prayer list, and for those of you that don't like spontaneity, you could just go and pick one of your lists uh, in your prayer uh, lists, and for those of you that might like a little bit of spontaneity in life, you could just pick random. And then you see a, it's a three-second countdown, and so you're sitting there staring at your phone, and in about three seconds, you're going to find out who you're going to pray for today. And it goes three, two, one, Pray, pray for the boys' soccer team. Pop up on my phone. All right, that's who I'm praying for today. And it pops up, and you can have audio prompts on there that'll let you know, um, here's what you've listed in that prayer list. And then when there's about 45 seconds left, uh, you'll hear this audio prompt that just says, listen to God now. And then you just sit there after you've prayed uh, for that prayer list that has come up, and you just sit there for 45 seconds now in a point of silence, and you just then listen to the voice of God after you've just um, done a labor of love in praying for others. Um, and then there's also another tab that's for Thanksgiving. And then so you can create a whole other list that's just about things that you want to be prompted to be thankful for. And again, you could, rather than random, the prayer list that you can pick, you could just pick a Thanksgiving list. And then three, two, one, get ready, be thankful for this. <laughs> and then you just enter in uh, to a place of thanksgiving. For, and you can choose how many minutes uh, you want to be prompted to, to pray for. And, and then for those of you that are, are competitive, I don't know about you, but one of the things that, that this app starts doing is that it starts actually cataloging how long you've prayed for each category. And, and that's not to be, you can, like, you can ignore that, but for me, but for me, it's like a nice shot in the arm that just is like, I've only prayed for four minutes for Larissa. That should probably change, right? Like, for me, it's like, it's more. You're the highest one on there. Um, <laughs> but there, there's, there, for me, there's just something about that to see, to see, like, there, there's this space in which now I can open up the app and just be like, oh, my goodness. I didn't realize over the, the course of the fall, right, I've been praying for the boys' school for this amount of time. I've got to spend time with the Lord um, over this subject for, for this space. And um, anyways, it's, been just, it's just been a real uh, beautiful app to interact with because, again, what I'm seeing Paul encourage us in is, because of this new life that we have, our therefore 
what we do now is we pray. And, and as, as, as I cover the subject of prayer this morning, um, there is no other area of life that is more guilt-evoking for me than the topic of prayer. I, I, I don't know about you, but especially when, when prayer is talked about, reflected on, that's the space in which I go, I feel inadequate there. I, I feel like, that's one of like the like Christian, like you're a good follower of Jesus if you have a dynamic prayer life. And a lot of times, man, prayer is, is a struggle for me. Um, and even just more honestly, like Monday through Thursday is easier for me to pray because I work for a church and I have office hours. <laughs> and at the start of, of my day, when I have structure, I pray at the start of my day. And then the weekend comes, kind of like my diet, the structure gets thrown out the window. And, and Friday happens, and on my Sabbath, right? Like, Lurus and I go out, and we, we play, and we explore the city, and we eat. And then on Saturday, it's soccer practice, and it's getting up early with the boys, and it's celebrating Saturday by having donuts together. And then Sunday comes along, and I open up my, my reading program, and I go, oh, I haven't engaged with this in a little bit. It's a struggle. And in those spaces, I just kind of go, ah, I feel bad right now. I, I don't know. I just like, I feel disappointed in myself. I, and I just have to be in that place of, of just wrestling with that. And so, listen, if, if, as we enter into the subject about, hey, uh, Paul says, that this new life that we have in Jesus, the therefore for us is that we should be people of prayer. Um, may, this, may you hear the voice of invitation and not condemnation. May, may you hear the voice of, of Paul with, I, I think with, with this place of saying, man, I am so again, floored by the wonder and the grace of who God is. And as I spend time with him, that's what continues to create this appetite within me for, for prayer. For this reason, that's why I pray. And so, listen, right now, if you don't have that, like, that unction and that desire and that habit and that discipline of a prayer life, just start. Just, just, just lean in, and, and I doubt that the posture of your Father in heaven is to go, you should have started this yesterday. No, I think it would be welcome. Welcome. Let's, let's learn and journey in this together. I think the other thing that, that we run into is, is to say a lot of the times in prayer, and praying specifically for others, is we don't know where to start. How do we pray for others? What do we say? What do we bring before the Lord? So you have this, this prayer list now, maybe in that app, the inner room, and someone's name pops up. It's like you all decide that you're going to put Kevin Dolby in your prayer list. And so tomorrow morning, when you put random and Kevin Dolby pops up, you might sit there and go, what do I pray for? What do I say? right now. <laughs> Siri's telling me you don't have any notes about prayer. Um, what, do, what do we say? How do we pray in these moments? And what I love here is that Paul uh, gives this incredible insight to us in what he is praying when he prays for the church. These are the things that he says for us. So I have not stopped, and he starts with this, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I think the, the place that we start is that we give thanks for people. That as you write down names of others in a prayer list, as, as categories of people pop
pop up. Maybe it's you've written down Sara Mesa or North Park, or you've, you've written down San Diego, or you've written down Faith Community Church. Uh, I think the place that you start is with Thanksgiving. Give thanks for people. And, and listen, watch how it messes with your heart when the primary posture of your life is thanksgiving for others. Watch the formation that begins to take place in your life. Watch what happens and the joy that begins to overtake your life when you just start having this posture of prayer that is focused on thanksgiving. And Paul is demonstrating something powerful here for the church. The verses before this section where he says, for this reason, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. If you remember where we were at in, in Ephesians chapter 1, or the first part of Ephesians chapter 1, Paul tells us, right, like that, and he's reflecting on, on the Jews, like we've been chosen and we've been adopted and we've been graced and we've been forgiven. And then he, he makes this transition in verse 13 where he says, and you Gentiles have been included in this. And so as Paul is, is here now praying for the church, what he's doing here is he says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, the people that I used to be at odds with. I've, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, Gentiles. And what Paul demonstrates here in a dynamic and powerful way for the church is that, that the audience that's listening to this letter being read to them is a group of diverse people who used to be at odds with one another. And what Paul does here, and by launching into what it looks like to pray for one another, here this people that once did not get along but are now a new people, he starts with by saying, I give thanks for you. And the very first thing that Paul does for the church here, and as he introduces us what it looks like to pray for one another, is that we give thanks for the diverse people that God is bringing into our lives. That what we see when we look at the people around us is a gift from the Lord. We give thanks for the people that God is giving to us, and he's teaching a diverse people to give thanks for one another. And then the next thing that he says here is that, that he prays for revelation. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you might know him better. What I find so beautiful here in this invitation from Paul is, is that, listen, what we do for in prayer, or what we do in prayer, is that we are hoping for the best for others. We're asking God to give others gifts. And we have this posture that we take on in prayer where we're bringing people before the Lord and we're asking God, would you bless them? Would you provide for them? Would you reveal yourself to them? Would you be a source of, of, of provision and strength for them? And, and what's the other thing that you, you see take, taking place here in this prayer is, is that when you, when you start praying and you start praying for others, like what, do you, what, do you, what, what should you be bringing before the Lord? What I find really challenging and, and wonderful here from Paul is that he's writing to a people. He already said in the previous verse, in verses 15 and 16, excuse me, he says, I've heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for, for God's people. Right, contextually, Paul is writing to a people who already have faith in Jesus. He's writing to a church that already has love for one another. And in a lot of ways, you would read that and you would think this is a people that have arrived. And as Paul prays for them, what he says is, I keep asking for revelation in your life. Paul is, is praying for the church and he's saying, listen, there is more to experience. There are more depths to explore. I've heard about your faith. 
And what I'm praying for is that you would know him better. What I'm praying for is, is that, that, man, that you would have greater revelation and greater experience and greater understanding of who God is. One of the things that we do as a family on, on our summer vacations or that we try to do, we try to make a habit of going to different national parks. Because of the age of our boys, especially as 7 and 11 years old, we just want to get into open spaces where they can just run around. And one of the, the trips that we've gone on is, is to the Redwoods. And to see a 7-year-old look at a 200-foot tree. To watch a young boy navigate this massive forest, there is a look in their eyes that just, that just shouts endless adventure. And they explore, and they climb, and they jump, and they run, and, and they crawl and they dig and they just do so much. And so, many, so often as we're on these hikes, they're hardly hikes because what happens is that we take five steps and then we stop as they go run off to somewhere else, right? But then we'll just hear these shouts from inside of a hollowed out tree trunk that says, come look at this. Oh my goodness, look at all the, the, there's so much inside of here. And then we, as the parents, crawl into that trunk and just go, this is a really cramped, just dark hole. <laughs> Our eyes, in a lot of ways, have lost that wonder. But from their perspective as a child, they look at the world and they just go, oh my goodness, this is a castle. This is a fort. This is paradise. And what Paul's praying for the church is, listen, would your eyes be opened? I pray that your eyes would be opened. And, 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 and do you see what he, what, he, what he does here in this sentence? He says, I keep asking, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit so that you would know him better. And in that just one sentence, Paul invites us into the mystery of our faith. This, this, this profound and fathomless God who we can barely begin to comprehend this, this one who is Father, Son, and Spirit, that you would know him singular better. It's, it, 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 it's deep, and it's profound, and it's, and it's endless right here, right? in this mystery that Paul is revealing to us. I pray that you would know Father better. I pray that you would know our Lord Jesus better. And I pray that you would know spirit better. Not, not just textbook knowledge, but may you have a deep, meaningful, intimate relationship with him. May there be a peace that rushes over your heart at the very sound of the name Jesus. May there be a joy that just, that just leaps within you when you hear Holy Spirit. May there be a comfort and a strength would there be a warmth and an invitation when you hear our glorious Father? I pray that you would know him better. And as you get to know him, what I'm praying is that you would know him better. And, I, and Paul says, I keep 
asking. I keep asking. He's better than you realize. He's more profound than you know. And, and it isn't the case that those who have spent the most time with God are the ones that can, are convinced he's unsearchable. It's the more that we know about him, it's the more that we've experienced him that convinces our heart there is so much more to explore. There is so much more to discover. I keep asking that you would know him better. And Paul goes on, he says this, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people. And in this next one, when he prays, what, we, what I've labeled the pray for the, we pray for others to have the hope of new creation, there, there is a powerhouse promise in here that I want to explore with you. Because what you find here in this sentence is that, that what Paul says here is, is, I pray that the eyes plural, of your, plural, heart, singular, may be enlightened. Why is that so important? What Paul is praying, I pray that y'all's singular heart would be enlightened, that you would know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance, where is this glorious inheritance experienced? In his holy people. Here's, here's this profound promise that, that Paul is praying that we would know and this hope that oh, would overtake our heart. That as we are now united as a people as we are gathered together, that it is in that space that we discover the hope of new creation. What are we learning together that we cannot learn apart from one another? Inheritance. We learn of inheritance together. Historically, when the church talks about this, this word inheritance, when God's people talk about the word inheritance, what, are they, what, are, what has been the, the, the historic reflection on this word? Well, it's been the promised land. That, that to God's people, right, as he delivers them out of, out of Egypt and in the book of Exodus, and he's leading them through the wilderness, he is letting them know there is an inheritance for them. It, it is the land that he is going to bring them into. Not only the land that he's going to bring them into, but it is going to be the land where they will be his people and he will be their, their God. And so when you fast forward all the way to the New Testament and you look at the reflections that are given when we talk about inheritance, what's all the way at the very end of, of the book? And, and, and listen what it says in Revelation chapter 21. See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them. He, and it's in that inheritance, it's in that land together where he will wipe every tear from their eyes, death will be no more, mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And what Paul is praying for in the, for the church is that our singular heart, our new and united heart would experience the hope of new creation. That as we interact with one another and care for each other and pray for each other, as, as we are generous with each other, as we make space for each other, as we relate with one another, as, as we sit at a table and have pulled pork with one another, right, that there would be this hope that would overtake our hearts, God is up to something good in the world. He's making all things good. How do we know that? 
because in his people, we're experiencing the hope of the new creation. In his people, his holy people, we're experiencing the Garden of Eden today. See, what Paul is praying, he's not praying that you would know the hope of this future inheritance and that, that as a church that we would just be praying, oh, one day, one day, God will make all things good, which he will, and there's a hope that happens in our hearts for that. But what he's, what he's also praying, it's a layered prayer, and just that you would, you would know that hope today. You would engage with it and experience it and interact with that hope today. There is this visceral moment in the gospel accounts where Jesus rides in on a donkey into Jerusalem, and, and, and the crowds are shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, God saves, God saves, and, and he comes into to the city of Jerusalem, and the very next thing that he does is he goes into the temple, and he begins clearing the tables, begins clearing out the tables of, of the money changers that were there. Well, listen to the words of Jesus. He comes into this room, and then he makes this declaration. My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. Jesus comes back into the space where God was meant to dwell with his people, to, to get a taste and experience of the inheritance. And he comes into that space, and what he sees is not people being united together, but people being taken advantage of. And so he begins to flip tables over, and in other, in other uh, passages, this is from the book of Matthew, like in the book of Luke and Mark, I believe, he says, my house should be called a house of prayer for all nations. That the temple was supposed to be a place that was meant to be a foretaste of the inheritance where God would dwell with humanity. But, but you've made it into a place where there's obstacles now. And so, and so what Matthew highlights for us is that, that Jesus clears all the tables. This is supposed to be a house of prayer. And then he says this, or then, then, then Matthew notes for us this, after Jesus does this. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he cured them. And right there is the mission statement for the church. The church is meant to be the place where the nations experience the inheritance. This is the place where we experience what it looks like for God to be king. This is the space where we experience what it looks like for God to reign. This is what the inheritance looks like. The weak are brought near and they're cared for. The weak are brought near and they find invitation, and they find healing. This is what it looks like when God is in the house. I had the absolute privilege of being a junior high pastor for, for I think, about 13 uh, years. As the, it was a, to, to a junior high group in L.A. County um, that I first started in vocational ministry. And um, the church that I was, I was serving and pastoring at also had a private school that was on campus um, that went up through, through eighth grade. And um, it was amazing because I would just, like during, um, during the middle of my office hours, I would just open up a sliding door and step outside and just start playing basketball with eighth graders. It was just like, this is what ministry is. <laughs> And um, a lot of those students that were at part of the Christian school weren't a part of um, any church, and they started 
it just started creating this really fun and dynamic community that was taking place in, in the junior high group. And one of the things that happened that we just absolutely just stumbled into um, as the junior high uh, leadership was that there was these moments where we just felt prompted by the Lord, I believe by the Lord, to get up in front of the group d during uh, times of worship and then just tell the junior hires, hey, if anyone has a prayer request here tonight, would you just turn to your friend and step outside and uh, have them pray for you? And the room would empty. And the worship team would just now begin to sing to an empty room because every single junior hire would step out into the hallway and just begin to pray for each other. It was heaven on earth. And, and, the, and the playground fights that I saw earlier in the day were getting reconciled in the hallways. And junior hires just began to care for each other. They began to minister to one another. And I was fresh in ministry, so I was just, just ignorant to like... Are you sure that junior hires have the theological fortitude to go outside and pray for each other? I didn't know any better. All I knew is that, that, that with, with what we're being told here is that the Spirit of God is being given to the young and the old. And so it was just getting up in front of a group and just saying, hey, go pastor each other. <laughs> And I think that's what Paul's praying for the church is, listen, that you would know the hope of the inheritance in, in his people. That what would begin to take place is this understanding that just says, listen, y'all are the church. And in this new heart that God has given to us that we would We'd pray for each other. We'd care for one another. We'd reconcile together. We, we'd see ministry happen just here as we're sitting next to each other. And that doesn't say, like, yes, send in prayer requests to the church. Yes, I'll stand up here every single Sunday morning and just be available to you to pray for you. But what I hope continues to take place amongst us is that we know that the people that we sit with and gather together in the courtyard with are people that will, will care for us and pray for us. Let me keep on going here. The next thing that Paul prays is that we would know his, God's power. He says that we would know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Paul prays that we would know the power made available to us, but he gets very specific that we not only would just know power, but we would know God's power. We would know his type of power. There's this moment when the disciples are on the road and they're arguing with one another about who's the greatest, and Jesus it says this, and it says, Jesus called them together, the disciples who were just arguing with one another, and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What am I saying here is, listen, the, the disciples thought that Jesus came to rule. Their expectation of him was that he would come and he would be the Messiah and that he would establish God's kingdom there on earth in a physical kind of a way. And so their understanding as they're engaging with Jesus is that he came to exercise power over humanity. 
And what they're constantly discovering as they're interacting with Jesus is that, yes, Jesus has power, but it is not going to be demonstrated in the way that they expect for him to exercise power. And when Paul prays for the church to have power, what he prays for us is that we would have power in context of Jesus' death and resurrection. Church, we are meant to have a dynamic power in this world. But the power that, that, that God that Paul prays that what we would have would not be kind of like this worldly kind of power where we just exercise dominion in the world, where we lord our power over others, but what Paul prays, the kind of power that we would have would be life-giving power. The dynamic power that the church is being given is the kind of power that brings life where there is death the kind of power that God wants to instill in the church is a power that brings resurrection. And so the posture that we have in the world around us as we are empowered by God's Spirit is to bring life where there is death. The church is meant to exercise dynamic power in the world. And Jesus, when, when he communicates to the church in the beginning of the book of Acts, he tells them, listen, there's going to be a power that's going to come upon you. But, he, but he, gives, he qualifies it. So the power will come upon you to be my witnesses. The power that's coming upon you, and that Greek word that's there for witnesses is where we get the word martyr. A power is coming upon you to be martyrs in the world. A power is coming upon you, church, so that you would be present in the world in a way that looks like the death and resurrection of Jesus. You are being power, empowered to be the servants of all. It's blessed to be a blessing, folks. You are blessed. God will strengthen you. God will meet you where you're at. He will empower your inner being. But you are being empowered in a dynamic way to become the servant of the world. Isaiah chapter 58, there's this prophetic word that is spoken over God's people. It says, the Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. Paul prays for the church. Would you know his power? Would you know the dynamic power that flows through this room? You are empowered by God's spirit. to be a rebuilder of the city. The river of living water flows into your being and he will strengthen your inner being. And the result will be as he empowers you is the restoration of the homes in the neighborhood around you. you will be a rebuilder in this city because the Holy Spirit has fallen upon you. Church, we have, we regularly see miracles 
here as a, as a community. And what I mean by that is when I look at the size of our community versus the amount of support that goes out to our global partners, it is an absolute miracle. And I, and I believe the reason that that takes place is, listen, the God's spirit is looking to empower people to be the servants of all. And so may our prayer continually be that we're coming before the Lord and saying, would you strengthen us to be a blessing to the world around us? Church, you are a holy and anointed people. You are a people with whom and through whom God is working all things toward good. May you know the fresh empowering of the Holy Spirit so that the world around you might come to know the saving name of Jesus. There is an incomparably great power for us to believe that will bring death, well, there will bring life where there is death. Church, would you stand with us? Let me just, we'll just close by reading that prayer of Paul's over us today. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the ones to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Pray, have your way, Lord Jesus. Would you arrive here fresh amongst your people? We pray that in your name. Amen.